Welcome to an A&M Healthcare Industry Group Human Capital and Workforce Management podcast series. Today, we're talking with healthcare leaders about the impact their organizations are facing, including labor issues, the nursing shortage, compensation, wage inflation, and how they are responding. I would love to talk a little bit more to you, Chris, about what you're seeing in your market. You mentioned that there's a lot of competition in the LA market, and Professor Gottlieb mentioned all of those pressures um, obviously have downstream economic implications, particularly with your workforce expense. So what are some of your specific challenges you're seeing in your market, whether they be nursing or not, that are really driving what you're seeing on, on your reports? Yeah, I think um, when we talk specifically about nursing, um, I think the shortage has definitely been an issue for us. Um, you know, LA is hyper competitive from uh, a workforce, uh, uh, healthcare workforce standpoint. And so, and then you throw in the rest of the state and, um, you know, people migrate across this state um, all the time. Um, I think. You know, secondarily, um, we started to see, I think, due to some of the public policy, at least in in our state, um, and the increase uh, in the minimum wage in some of our lower end positions, like um, environmental services or security team, that people were seeing opportunities for jobs in non-healthcare setting. Um, due to the increase in minimum wage that we're paying more than we were paying in a healthcare setting. And from their standpoint, looking at, you know, risk potential of what can happen to you if you work in a hospital, they left the healthcare environments altogether. Um, and that puts pressure on us to increase our wages to continue to try to um, acquire new staff. So, you know, I think you look at those things, and then, you know, continued uh, managerial wage compression uh, continues to be an issue. You know, we pay lots of attention to our staff positions and their wages, but I think what we're starting to see is that uh, people in management positions, whether it be frontline or secondary managers, also see opportunities um, that have come to them by way of uh, new roles opening up across the healthcare industry in different states because people who are towards the end of their career are saying goodbye to healthcare, too much pressure, too much work. Um, and so everybody's moving up a level, I think, faster than we've seen in, in previous points, at least in my career. And that continues to cause us to need to balance not losing our, our really um, expert management team with increased compensation type packages. Yeah, I'm so I'm thankful that you mentioned that because th we're seeing more research coming out in the past few months about executives turning over and basically leaving healthcare altogether. I see that some of my colleagues that I've been working with for years, they're going to become academics or changing industries or retiring, starting their own businesses, becoming consultants. So I can definitely understand why that would be a challenge that organizations are facing. You know, I am actually interested in um, lower compensated workers. And, and Terry, this is where I think that maybe you can step in here. You know, my local KFC 
they're still offering a $1,000 sign-on bonus. I see it on their marquee. And for a long time, we had heard, oh, well, that's not real. It's hype. And whether or not it's real, there's this perceived opportunity of flexibility, benefits, same wage or higher wage without the risk of becoming ill or being mistreated by others, going in and being a delivery driver or working at Costco or doing fast food work or, you know, cobbling together gig work. I'm really interested in understanding, Terry, from your perspective, what are some unusual compensation strategies and total rewards trends that you're seeing um, our hospitals and health systems using to keep or attract staff when they have a lot of options now? Well, I'm going to break that question down into two parts. I'm going to first talk about some of the things that healthcare systems and organizations can do to attract folks out of KFC and dare we say Amazon or some of those other places where we see more entry-level work workers migrating. So I think that one of the problems or sins that we've committed in healthcare is that we only sometimes look to people with healthcare experience when we are doing hiring. So I think what we're seeing in, in some of the systems, and I think it is a, is a good plan, is to bring in workers without healthcare experience and provide them the training that they need to become great healthcare workers. And once you enter a system, we're seeing increases in tuition uh, reimbursement, tuition benefits, and we're seeing increases in loan repayment programs that are supporting more entry-level health workers to move up through the organization. So I may start my career in the supply and processing um, department of the hospital. I'll get some training in that. I'll be able to come in, but perhaps if my aspiration is to work in a, in a clinical field, in radiology, in pathology, or as a nurse, the avenue to do that is open to me through my system. So I think that that's one of the things that we can do to bring more workers into healthcare, into the healthcare system. Um, so that's one idea. I think the other thing that we're seeing is we're seeing different benefit strategies, and I'm I'm anxious to hear what um, Kimberly has done in this space to help support our healthcare workers. In addition to the increases in tuition benefits that I've talked about, we're also seeing more health and wellness benefits that are coming along to support workers who are experiencing burnout um, from working in such a overcharged and overheated environment for the last two years. So I think those are some of the, the benefits issue, the issues that we're um, starting to see emerging in some of our forward um, thinking systems. Kimberly, anything to add to that that might be important? Um, well, you know, um, one thing that you mentioned is the benefit strategies, and I think that that can't be overstated. I think that when you're looking at the compensation issue, you really have to look at it as a, as a not just your base comp, but the total rewards piece of it. And so that's one thing that we've really tried to focus on in a couple of different ways. Um, we wanted to make sure that we were providing the benefits that provide the most value to associates. Uh, you know, we have a list of benefits and I think most systems have a list of benefits that they typically offer, but we wanted to make sure that we were getting 
and our associates are getting the bang for our buck in that way. So we did a comprehensive total rewards survey and really asked, what do you value most? Um, and designed it in a way that, you know, we could really understand um, the comparative value that associates put on certain benefits. And so if it is additional childcare or additional tuition reimbursement, I think that that um, really showed us a lot and gave us a lot of insight. So we weren't just um, um, hitting um, blindly um, of, of what we thought, thought associates wanted. And then the other piece of that is making sure that we're telling our story and really communicating because we found that we had some benefits that people just weren't taking advantage of. Um, and so making sure that we're communicating that and providing a, a one-stop shop that um, people could go to and understand their benefits and see the value of them and really be able to um, to make some personal choices based on their personal uh, life situation. All of this sounds so incredibly expensive, right? <laughs> so, Chris, if I'm you, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, how do I budget for insurance? <laughs> but it, it's not just incurring more costs, right? There are strategies that we need to use to manage workforce expense. Um, so what what do you do? What are you doing? What is your magic wand to all of this rapidly increasing workforce expense, Chris? What are what are your strategies? Yeah, it's it's a great question and one that we have been toiling over for uh, the last year. I think one of the things that we uh, introduced during the pandemic was our care for the caregiver program uh, to really focus in on how we were treating staff and and giving them resources, whether it be, you know, during the pandemic, we had a, we have a hotel on our uh, campus, allowing staff to stay in the hotel when they were working long hours. Um, we have done lots of, um, I would say, individual, um, programs either by way of uh, providing groceries for staff or um, gift cards or um, even some fun team building exercises, food trucks on campus, anything that we could do to help staff feel like uh, they were being supported through this, that they weren't alone. Um, I think the other thing from a university standpoint, we um, offered uh, COVID sick time. So if staff were dealing with either their own um, impact of COVID or family impact of COVID, that they could take time off to deal with that. Um, and so those are some strategies, some of the softer strategies we're dealing with. I think from a, a hard dollar, um, we have really focused in on um, the contract labor force that we're utilizing, um, trying to really focus in on the organizations that we contract with and do um, some uh, hard force negotiations around the rates, uh, looking at them on a weekly basis, not just waiting and being preemptive in terms of making sure that we've managed which uh, um, of the contract organizations we are utilizing. I think secondarily, we're looking at our compensation um, 
program from the standpoint of how many dollars we put into market adjustments, what we are um, putting forth as overall merit increase on an annual basis. We introduced uh, a manager incentive compensation plan, which we didn't have before to help facilitate that compression issue that I was talking about. Um, and then lastly, it's really, um, which is nobody's uh, fun thing to do, we've really been focused in on the use of labor. And so um, really, you know, we, we do a lot around productivity analysis and overtime review, um, but I think uh, our management team, the operations team has really understood that, you know, as I continue to talk about our financial situation and they hate to see my face pop up on the screen when when it's time for month end. Um, but, you know, those things that that, you know, I, the way I explain it is we can we can manage around this or we can let it happen to us. And if we let it happen to us, uh, lots of bad things start to happen that are outside of our control. So um, doing the, the things that are important in terms of making sure that you have the right amount of staff, uh, making sure that you, when we have open requisitions, that you're actually interviewing people uh, in a timely manner so we don't lose out on those who would like to work in our organization. Um, and then just connecting with staff, making sure that you are, are really showing your staff that you're uh, being a leader. Um, and helping them understand how they participate in this effort as well in terms of um, working our organization out of these last two years of financial struggle. Chris, you're really speaking my language. You know, I think that instead of swinging from the curtain saying we can't do anything, the ability to offer some foundational discipline and rigor really gives you the direction, right? You, you can see where you need to be spending your time. There's no question. We're also finding that organizations have really normalized the use of contract labor. And arguably, we may be using contingent and contract labor forever, right? This could be part of our overall workforce strategy with a good partnership with a vendor, uh, managing rates, et cetera. But without having that fine eagle eye in tune to how you're using that workforce, how much you're spending on that workforce, how you're dispositioning that workforce, it can go crazy can definitely go crazy. Kimberly, are you utilizing any specific strategies to curb workforce expense, knowing that you're also making a significant investment in your associates? Absolutely. Uh, so it, it's hard to go after Chris because so many things I just want to say ditto or, or amen. Um, we're doing many of the same things. And one of the things is uh, I think very impactful that we tend to forget when we talk about the compensation discussion or when we're in the compensation discussion is those caring for the caregiver programs and that engagement of, you know, how are we showing up and connecting our associates to our purpose? Um, because uh, we know that uh, our mission, we feel, and our culture is very strong and is our uh, one of our many, our most powerful, excuse me, differentiator in the market. So we want to make sure that our associates see our culture and, and, and see us living our core values and feel very connected to the purpose. 
So we have continued our quarterly engagement surveys, um, and we do that to get as really good, timely feedback from our associates on what's on their minds, what's going well, what's what could be better, how we can can better support them. We've really also focused on how we can be more um, efficient and who does the work and how the work gets done, looking at how we're providing resources to those frontline leaders, our clinical nursing teams, um, and really have streamlined a lot of processes. I think that the pandemic has left us with a new sense of being able to make quick decisions and to um, to be uh, to execute on those decisions. And so those are a couple of things that we've done. We've also really accelerated our onboarding, hiring and onboarding process. We've got to streamline that so that we can um, really hire quickly, hire efficiently and effectively, and then get that person started on, on the floor as quickly as possible. Um, and again, working with our, like Chris, working with our contract partners to really negotiate those rates, particularly lately, since COVID numbers are down, and um, really trying to to use our size and leverage as an organization to put some pressure in that respect. And then finally, as nurses leave contract labor, now that um, that COVID numbers are down and they're starting to to leave out. We want we want to make sure that we're employer of first choice um, and that we want them here. And so, how are we doing that? And um, and trying to to capture those who may have left or who um, may have just come to Christus as part of contract labor and decided that this is the place that they can stay. Yeah, I think we need to do a separate podcast just on the boomeranging, right? Our, our organizations welcoming back those that left for whatever reason, and how successful are they in keeping those resources that were once contracts, maybe they potentially could be full-time. Terry, are you seeing this happen a lot now? Are. As we are seeing the contract labor market soften a little, we are advising our clients in a couple of ways. One that Kimberly brought up, how are you renegotiating those contracts and are you consistently looking at uh, those contracts so you can get the best price that you can for that contract labor that you have? And the second thing is asking the question, what will be different when your nurses come back, some that have left to do travel assignments, how will they find things different? What will they find in your culture and in your mentoring programs and in your uh, career growth programs and career tracking programs that will reinvigorate their their allegiance or their loyalty to your company? And I love Kimberly's statement about retaining some of those travelers. If they've walked into your environment and they're finding that it that it's a good environment for them, that they are connected to the mission, that they're more easily engaged than keeping those who have been on the road a while in your organization is a great strategy for, um, as we see this contract uh, labor issue, as we see the numbers kind of soften for them. Thank you for that. 
A big thank you to our guests, our experts and operators in the hospital and health system space, and them sharing their candid thoughts and ideas about what's going on with wage inflation and compensation. I'd love to direct our listeners to www.alvarezandmarcel.com. I'd like to invite all of our listeners to join us for part three, where you'll get to hear our experts take on the economic implications of the short-term labor market, some of their predictions for the long-term effects of wage inflation, and let's also hear a little bit about their initiatives at their own organizations and organizations around the nation and what they're doing to combat this massive cost in labor expense.